Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Hey, great to be here. Happy birthday, Gateway Logan. How good. How good is God? You know, God, is, uh, it was great just to look back on some of those uh, photos over the last uh, year or so, actually some of them going back a bit further and just seeing, you know, what God has done in, uh, in people's lives, what God has done in bringing people together, bringing a family together to, uh, to be part of seeing more and more people's lives changed uh, by the love and the grace of Jesus in uh, Logan. It's uh, very, very good fun to be a part of it, just to sit back and say, you know, God is so good. Do you believe that this morning? Yeah. You know, our God is good. He loves to, uh, he loves to meet us where we're at. And we're, we're in a series that we started last week, and I know you had a powerful start to the series last week called Encounter. And uh, we're just uh, looking at a whole bunch of people that Jesus encountered uh, when he was walking on the earth And he met them just where they were at. And in that encounter, their lives were transformed. You know, we see sick people that encountered Jesus and they actually walked away healed. You know, we see broken people that encounter Jesus and they they walk away whole. We see skeptical people encounter Jesus and they walk away just full of faith and convinced that Jesus truly is the Son of God. You know, we see sinful people, people that... You know, everybody else thought, you know, would be pushed away from God. We see them have an encounter with Jesus and Jesus draws them close and he sets them free from the sin that's plagued their life. You know, Jesus loves to to come into our lives, to meet us just where we're at. And, you know, today, even as we look back at these stories that are 2,000 years old, it teaches us how we can encounter Jesus today. Is that why we're here this morning? Come on, are we just here to play church and, you know, uh, celebrate, you know, anniversaries or do we actually want to have an encounter with the risen Jesus? Just give me a little show of hands if you're here to have an encounter with the risen Jesus. Let's, uh, let's pray this morning. God, this morning we're here because we want an encounter with you. We love your presence. God, we just sense your presence as we've worshipped you. And as we celebrated what you've uh, uh, been doing in Pierce's life and others' life here, as we've heard stories of the last year, we know you're real, we know you're alive, we know you're powerful. And this morning, right now, as we open your word, God, would you just pour out your Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Come Come and meet with us and transform us through your word and through the power of your presence, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, today I want to take a look at an encounter with with, with a guy who in some ways he seems, you know, really different from us. But actually when you look at the heart of what's going on in his life, I actually think his story might actually intersect with our story. It's actually the story of a really good man that encounters Jesus. In fact, he's the goodest man you've ever met. He's gooder than anybody else here in this room. 
He's an incredibly good man. His name is Nicodemus and his story is in John chapter 3. I'm just going to read it in bits. First couple of verses say this. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Right? That's called the Sanhedrin. He came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Without any further ado, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, at this point in time, Nicodemus doesn't know who Jesus is. He just knows that Nicodemus has been, uh, he knows that Jesus has been doing a whole lot of powerful things and he knows that he's never seen in his whole lifetime, Nicodemus is an old man by now, in his whole lifetime he's never seen anyone that can perform the miracles that Jesus can perform. And so Nicodemus, who's a good man, who's been seeking to do good his whole life, his whole life he's been seeking to do good for God. You know, he's a good man. He's wanted to know God. He's wanted to obey God. He's wanted to do God's will his whole life. And he sees this teacher come along, his new teacher on the block, and he's never seen anyone in his whole lifetime that's got the kind of power that Jesus has. And so Nicodemus comes seeking after Jesus. And it says in verse 2 there that he comes at night. Now, we don't know exactly why he comes at night. But possibly it's because, you know, he is a seeker after God. And he really wants to know God. And so when he sees Jesus doing all these things, he doesn't want to just be part of the crowd. He doesn't want to just get, you know, uh, just uh, see Jesus from a distance. He wants an up-close and personal encounter with Jesus. During the day, there's crowds all around him. But at night, he gets up close and he gets a personal encounter with Jesus. Or maybe it's because Nicodemus is afraid of what others are going to think if he gets close to Jesus. And so he comes in the dark of night when no one will really see him because all of his religious buddies, all the members of the Sanhedrin might look down on him if he associates with Jesus. I actually think there's every chance it's both. Nicodemus is a man who's been seeking God his whole life and he wants to get up close and personal with Jesus. But he is afraid of what others would think. And so he comes to Jesus in secret to have an encounter with Jesus. This is a man who's been seeking to do good for God his whole life. You see, you need to understand that if there was a way of getting to God of getting to heaven by doing good. Nicodemus had done everything he could. You know, he was a Pharisee. That means that he was, his whole life was was absolutely focused on obeying the 600-odd laws in the Old Testament. And they were so focused on it, the Pharisees, that they actually made up thousands of other laws to protect them from ever breaking the laws in the Old Testament. They were constantly making up new laws so that they, they, would, they would carefully observe God's Old Testament laws. It says he's seeking to do good for God his whole life. Oh, I mean, here's someone who is a whole lot gooder than you. 
All right, not only was he seeking to follow all the Old Testament laws, he also had memorized the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He'd memorized it. That's what the Pharisees did. They, they, they didn't just read it. They, me- they spent their lifetime memorizing the Scripture. This, this was a man who uh, you know, didn't just give up the occasional prayer to God, but he would have prayed two hours every day. Every day he would have spent two hours in prayer just seeking after God and giving up prayers to God. He was a man that as he followed Old Testament law, he fasted two days a week. Two days a week, he was so focused on, 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 on seeking after God that he gave up food two whole days a week, every week. He was a man that not only gave 10% of his money to God, but he gave 10% of his livestock. He gave 10% of his produce. He gave 10% of you know, his herbs in his gardens. This is a guy that if there was a way of getting to God by doing good, he had reached the pinnacle of self-righteousness simply by being a Pharisee. But we see that he wasn't just a Pharisee, he's actually a a member of the Sanhedrin. And so he's he's a leader of the Pharisees. He's in the the top 70, all right? He's one of the the 70 most religious people in, in the whole of the nation of Israel. But we see that Nicodemus is old, and so he was actually an elder in the Sanhedrin. He's probably in the top 12 of the Sanhedrin. And not only that, if we read through a little bit further in John chapter 3, we see that Jesus actually addresses him as the teacher of Israel. He's one, he's one and not all Sanhedrin were teachers of the word. There's every chance Nicodemus is one of the top two or three teachers in the nation of Israel. This guy has reached the pinnacle of self-righteousness. He's the kind of guy that if you could make your way to heaven by being good, he's right at the top. I, I actually reckon if we saw Nicodemus walk through the doors of this church, he's the kind of guy we'd nominate immediately to be on our board of elders. You know, he's a good guy. In fact, I'm pretty convinced there's a whole bunch of you that if you saw Nicodemus walk through the doors, you'd go, actually, it might be time we got a new senior pastor. (laughs) Because this guy's a whole lot gooder than the one we currently got. I mean, the current senior pastor, he's only memorised the first three books of the Old Testament. (laughs) You know, he's only fasted two or three days this whole year. You know, the the current senior pastor only spends an hour and 45 minutes every morning in prayer. (laughs) You know, maybe Nicodemus would be a really good guy to lead our church. Nicodemus is that kind of guy. I mean, if, if there's any other way, if there's any way of getting to God by being good, he has reached the pinnacle of self righteousness. And yet Jesus sees this really good man and he says to him, you must be born again if you want to get to heaven. You must be born again if you want to see the kingdom of God. 
This wasn't very good news for Nicodemus. It's good news for, for those of us who know we've sinned. It's good news of us for, that, for us that, that, that know we need a fresh start. It's not really good news for Nicodemus who's thought, you know, he'd kind of he, climbed the tree and he was on a par with Jesus and uh, he was just kind of coming out of courtesy, coming to talk to the new teacher on the block. It's not really good news for him. And yet three times in this chapter, Jesus says to him, you must be born again. He says, it doesn't matter how good you've been or it doesn't matter how far you slip down the tree, we're all on equal footing. We all need to be born again. We all need a new beginning with God. All of us need a new beginning with God. And you know, I, I actually find... This isn't particularly a welcome message in our culture outside the church. You know, we've actually, and I think this is one of the reasons that this story is, is in such a prominent place in the Gospels, is because I think all of us have got this Pharisee default setting. We, we, we all kind of, you know, have got this kind of understanding that if I seek to do good for God while I'm here right now, then I'll get to see God when I die. You know, that, that's kind of the general message across our culture in this nation. If I seek to do good for God now, then I'll get to see God when I die. Now, the problem with this message is, it's actually not good news because sin, the thing that actually separates us from God, is so insidious. It's so poisonous. It destroys our lives. It destroys our relationships. It destroys families. It destroys communities. And if simply, you know, God was just all about us just doing good and doing good enough while we're here on earth that one day I'll get to go to heaven when I die, then the problem with sin that's kind of tainted this world that we live in hasn't gone away. And we'll have to, you know, live for all of eternity with this poison of sin still within us, still tainting our lives, tainting our families, tainting our relationships. Is sin still in heaven? We don't really want to live there forever. And the other reason that, you know, if I just do good for God, you know, while I'm here on earth and then when I get to heaven, when I, then I'll get to heaven when I die, the second reason is it's not good news is that it doesn't offer us any help right now. It actually doesn't help us while we're doing life together now, while we're raising our families now. And so this message that Jesus gives to Nicodemus, there's some obstacles to overcome. There's a change in our thinking we need to understand. But what Jesus is offering is, is actually good news now. He's saying you must be born again. If you're born again, if you have a new beginning with God... I, I, I'm going I'm to bring you into a new life and a new relationship, a new power over sin that you can enjoy now and will last 
for all eternity. You see, a baby has no control over their birth. And this word here, where it's actually, the word is born anothen in the Greek. And it simply means born from above. You see, we can't make our way to heaven by doing good. But what God does for us is he gives us a new birth from above. He comes down and he gives us new birth into a new life and a new power now. It's nothing that we can do. You see, a baby has no control over its birth. They didn't initiate the birth. The parents initiated the birth, but even the parents had no control, no guarantee that birth was going to come about. And a baby can't determine its delivery date. You know, mothers think they have, you know, some way of determining that. You know, there's old wives' tales of, you know, if I uh, drink and eat enough spicy food, I might bring on delivery. Has anyone tried that? Anyone tried castor oil? My wife has. It was a terrible day for our whole family. (laughs) Mother, baby and husband. You know, there's a reason we call childbirth a miracle, the miracle of childbirth. Because new birth, new beginning, it's something that God has designed and God brings about. And what he's saying to Nicodemus here, this really good man, this really old man, this man who's really set in his ways, he says, you can have a new beginning. It's not about you striving and making your way to God, but it's about God coming down. And you can be born again from above. And yet Nicodemus responds on this really physical level. Listen to what he says in verse 4. He says, How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. He's he's thinking on this really physical level. How does this happen? How does an old man get a new birth? How does someone that's old and set in their ways and weary get this new birth? How, How can an old man be born again? You know, we've all been reminded in the last couple of weeks, if you've been on social media, that we are all aging And there's nothing we can do about it. There's this new thing called Face App. You can put your face into it as it currently is. And it will show you what you look like in 30 years' time. And it's a reminder to all of us that it doesn't matter how much you moisturise or hydrate, you cannot stop the ageing process. This is what I'm going to look like in 25 years' time. I tell you, when I saw that, I went home and started moisturising for the first time in my life. I bought oil of Ulan, Revitalift, the whole lot. I'm just doing a, a full face mask, you know, every night. Shardy put me onto it. She said, Dave's been doing it for years. But, uh... This is, uh, you know, sometimes we have Mark up here as our uh, worship uh, uh, leader. And, he, he's, you know, I've known Mark for years. And since I've ever I've known him, he's looked like he's 15. And 15 years later, he still looks like he's about 16. But this is what he's going to look in 25 years' time. That's, uh, <laughs> we'll be looking for a new worship pastor around that time, I reckon. 
That one won't make anyone sing praises to Jesus. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter how much Dave moisturizes, and apparently he's got a whole beauty routine he goes through every night, just hydrating, he's even thought about Botox. I'm, you know, I'm not sure. Um, but this is what he's going to look like in, uh, in 25 years' time. <laughs> Shardy, we'll, we'll pray for you down the front later. You, you are going to need strength. Right, what a good-looking rooster. And I thought I, I'd better put my lovely wife, Susan, couldn't be here. She... Uh, she uh, needed to be at uh, Mackenzie's Newcomers this morning, so uh, she is there, but I put her into the face app just to see what she'll look like when she gets old, and this is what came up. <laughs> I'm glad she's at Mackenzie Newcomers about 30 minutes away right now, but no, nah, no, nah, we're going to grow old gracefully together. This is what we'll... Uh, this is what it look like. Holy moly. You see, it does not matter how much you hydrate, how much you moisturise, nip, tuck, Botox, we're all getting older. You, you can't slow the ageing process, and this is what got Nicodemus all baffled. How can an old man get a new birth? How can an old man be born again? You know, I reckon we've seen the truth of this scripture here in this building in the last 12 months. And in those stories we've heard just in the last half an hour. You know, there's been a real rebirth from the Holy Spirit in this room. As, as you heard Ash say before, he's been in this room for a long time, worshipping Jesus, working hard, and they were getting weary. And as Ash said, the word Ash used was, it became a grind. We were getting weary. And, and this room in here, it hasn't just, you know, received a bit of a facelift, which it has. But what has happened in here is spiritual rebirth in people's hearts. There's been new beginnings start in this place. You know, scores of people putting their, uh, putting their trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour and getting new life, you know, from, from the inside. You know, you heard, you know, stories from, uh, from Beck here this morning just saying, you know, there's just a new freedom in the Holy Spirit that I've received just from what God is doing here in the last 12 months. Leanne talked about just a new, a new, uh, a new lease of life in her faith and to share her faith with others. You know, it doesn't come from giving a building a facelift. It comes from God at work in people's hearts. You heard Glenn, you know, right down the front here just say, I got a new family. I've been welcomed into a new family and it's transformed my life. And you heard Pierce stand over here before and say, you know, in the midst of my grief and brokenness, you know, Jesus has broken in and he's given me new comfort and new peace and new hope. Tell me, people, God is good. He's a God who brings new beginnings. He's 
a God who takes old things and he makes them new. He's a God who take, brings, gets weary things and he gives them new life and new energy. He's a God, you know, who takes broken things and he gives them new purpose. You know, he's a God who takes something that's become weary and stale and he gives new hope and new life and new vision. I tell you, God has been at work. We might have done a facelift in this place, but it's the Holy Spirit of God that's been at work in people's hearts right throughout this room that has brought new life and a new beginning and it's going to have a new impact on the city of Logan. Can I hear an amen this morning? Our God is a God of new beginnings. It doesn't matter where, what what you're walking in here with this morning. It doesn't matter how set in your ways you are. God's got a new beginning for you. It doesn't matter if this is all you've ever experienced of God in in the past. It's not all that he's got for you in the future. You know, it, it doesn't matter. If you've never, you know, had the courage to lead someone to Jesus and to come out of the dark and be open about your faith, it's not the way the future has to be. He's got a new beginning for you. Our God is a God of new beginnings. He loves to take things that are old and weary and broken and give new life and new hope. And the other reason I love this story of Nicodemus is his encounter doesn't transform him instantly. It's something that happens over time. He actually doesn't get it at this point. He doesn't get the spiritual rebirth that Jesus is offering. He says, how can, how can you enter a second time into the mother's womb? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. And Nicodemus says, well, How can this be? He still doesn't get it. How can this be? There's been lots and lots of debate about these verses over the years. You know, know, some people have said, you know, born of water and the spirit is talking about a physical birth. The water is the amniotic fluid of physical birth and spirit is the Holy Spirit coming into our lives. I actually don't think that's what this passage is talking about. You know, some people have said, you know, water is a picture of baptism and, and the Spirit is, is a picture of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives. And as important as, as water is in baptism, I actually don't think that's what this verse is particularly talking about. Because Jesus says to Nicodemus when he doesn't get it, he says, you're Israel's teacher. How do you not get this? Well, Christian baptism hasn't even been initiated at this point. How is Israel's teacher you know, going to get that? But what Israel's teacher should have known was a prophecy from years ago of what God was going to do in a new time. And it's a prophecy that's in Ezekiel chapter 36. Just have a listen to this, and it makes John chapter 3 make sense. He says, In the future I'm going to sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I'll cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. 
I'll remove from you your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit in you and I will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Nicodemus probably thought this was kind of like a picture for all of Israel and Jesus is applying it to an individual person just like him. A really good person. A person who seemingly had it all together. And he says, I'm doing a new work. He says, I'm going to sprinkle you with water and it's going to be like being washed clean. My encounter, having an encounter with me will be like being washed clean of all of your sin and filth and impurity. And I'm going to put my spirit in you. I'm not going to ask you to follow laws written on stone anymore like you've memorized all of your life. But I'm going to put my living spirit within you. I'm going to give you a new heart where your heart's got hard and weary and worn out. I'm going to put a new heart in you. I'm going to be at work in you in such a way spiritually within your life that it's actually going to transform your motivations. I'm going to move you to do a new thing. You know, this is a picture of my grandmother as the war finished in 1945 when she was a, uh, a young lady. Is that going to come up on the screen at all? Is there a... No, no picture there. Oh, that's sad. Okay, there should be a picture there of my grandmother when the war finished in 1945 in in Martin Place. And she was a a young woman, just met my grandfather who'd come back from war. And uh, she looked really young and fresh and a whole life in front of her. Then I was going to show you an old picture of my grandmother at 99. And no amount of hydration or moisturising, I don't think she ever considered Botox, but uh, could stop the ageing process. She had an old body. And sadly, her old body wore out uh, about 10 days ago and she passed away. But just on Tuesday this week, I had the privilege of going down and leading her funeral service. And I just heard story after story from generation after generation who testified to a woman of incredible faith in Jesus, whose heart had been changed by Jesus day by day and who gave so much love to so many. And there was not one person in the room that could ever remember her raising her voice in anger at anybody. Even though she suffered much injustice throughout her life, she was an orphan at 11 years old. She lost many people that she loved. She was dirt poor for the first 30 years of her life. But she walked every single day with Jesus. Every day Jesus did something in her heart. I remember going, when I stayed at her house, she would literally have every day with Jesus next to her bed. All little scribbled notes in it. She'd read her Bible every day and just talk about what Jesus was doing in her life. She had a prayer journal and we found it last week with all of our names in it. And she would pray for every member of our family every single day by name. You know, at the end of her funeral, all generations were together in a, uh, an apartment together. It doesn't happen very often. We're spread all over Australia. But you know, every single person in that room is a follower of Jesus Christ, actively involved in a local church. Seven of us are pastors. 
Because my grandmother prayed. She kept her heart just fresh with Jesus and let Jesus grip her heart. And even though her body got really, really old, Jesus kept working on her heart, giving her new hope and new faith and new purpose for the future. You know, Jesus doesn't want to make it hard for us. He actually says, I'm going to do the birth. I'm going to give you this new life. It's from above. You can't strive for it. You can't make your way for it. What he asks us to do is just spend every day in his presence. Give him some time. You know, we all, it doesn't matter you know, how uh, focused you are on your beauty routines or not, we all spend some time refreshing our bodies. You know, whether it's as simple as a shower and brushing your hair and cleaning your teeth... We spend some time on the outside. I wonder if we just spent just even the same amount of time letting Jesus be at work on the inside every day. How it would transform our lives. He promises to be at work within us, giving us a new heart when it gets old and hard. I love this scripture in 2 Corinthians 4, and my grandmother got it. Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. He's going, you can't change that. An old man can't be born again physically. Outwardly, we are wasting away. We're all getting older, yet inwardly we are being renewed. Say it with me. Day by day. Day by day. You can be renewed on the inside Day by day. It's not rocket science, people. Just give some time to Jesus to be in his presence every day. Let him transform your heart. Everyone needs a new beginning and everyone needs their heart renewed by the Spirit of God every day. And lastly, everyone who believes in the Son of God receives new life with God both now and forever. This isn't something we're waiting. The kingdom of God isn't something we're waiting for in heaven. The kingdom of God is here and it's now. And we get to walk in the power of new life today. Power over the poison of sin today. To bring new hope to a community that desperately needs it today. Who wants to be a part of that? Come on, who wants to be a part of that? Being part of bringing new hope to a community that desperately needs it today. I love Nicodemus' journey. We only see him twice more in the whole scripture in John chapter 7. It says a whole bunch of Nicodemus' mates want to uh, arrest Jesus for the things that he's teaching. And Nicodemus, who went to Jesus at night, he just comes out into the light a little bit. Not fully. He just says, oh, maybe we should listen to this guy a little bit more. Maybe we should just give him the time of day before we arrest him. We see Nicodemus just coming out into the open about his faith just a little bit more. He's received something. And the only other time we see him is right at the end of Jesus' life. And Jesus is, is crucified and all of the big, brave disciples have run away. Who's left? Two women, Jesus' mother Mary and Mary Magdalene. And there's only two blokes that are left. There's only two blokes that have got the courage to actually come out in the open and say, I think Jesus is the real deal. One of them's Nicodemus. 
Just flick to the end of uh, John, John's Gospel, John 19. Just read a couple of verses. It says, Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but listen to this. But secretly, because he feared the Jewish leaders. And I'd say that's some of uh, Nicodemus' stories too. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. And I think in this picture, John's trying to say both Joseph and Nicodemus were guys that were just kind of stayed in the dark about their faith in Jesus and their trust in Jesus. But now at the end of his life, they're the last two men standing. They're the last two men with courage who are actually declaring that Jesus was no common criminal crucified on that cross. Jesus was actually saviour and king. Because listen to what Nicodemus does next. It says, Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen that was... Oh, I missed a bit. He bought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds worth. I don't know how often you've carried around myrrh and aloes, but that's actually enough to anoint a king. Common criminals that were crucified were just chucked on a garbage heap and left to die. Ordinary people who died, maybe 10 or 15 pounds of myrrh and aloes may have been used to, to, to bury them if they were wealthy. They were kind of really wealthy people. What Nicodemus brings here is the quantities that they would use to bury a king. This was royalty. It was, it was a slowing transformation for Nicodemus. It doesn't happen overnight, and I find that's true for many of us. It's not always an instant where God just transforms us. But over time, we see Nicodemus, this man who's been seeking to do good his whole life, and secretly sneaks away to see Jesus at night just begins to come out in the open a little bit of his uh, um, a little bit you know uh, you know about a year later then right at the end of, of Jesus life is actually not much long after John chapter 7 he actually comes out in the open and says Jesus is the real deal he is the king he's royalty I'm nailing my colours to the mast. See, the whole of Jerusalem would have known that Joseph and Nicodemus took Jesus' body away and buried him. There was no more question anymore. Jesus was not just another teacher. Jesus was not just a, another good man who taught some good things and unpacked the law. Now, Jesus was the saviour of the world. Jesus was the king the risen king who overcame the power of sin and death is this really weird bit at the end of this encounter with, uh, with, with Jesus and Nicodemus where, where Jesus quotes this scripture from Numbers chapter 21, this weird story of when the people of Israel were getting bitten by venomous snakes and they cried out to God and said, God said, if you want to be saved from death, from the poison of these snakes, lift a snake up on a pole and whoever looks up at that snake in faith, the very thing that's causing them death will be saved from death. And it happened. People were saved from death. Weird story, but a cool story. 
And Nicodemus, Jesus quotes this same story to Nicodemus and he says, the son of man, I, must be lifted up on a pole. And whoever puts their faith in me will be saved from death and have eternal life, be saved from the poison of sin, both now and forevermore. You see, the very thing that's killing us, the sin, the selfishness in our lives that is killing us day by day, was actually lifted up on a cross. It says that he who knew no sin became sin for us. And as we look to what Jesus has done on the cross, we can become the righteousness of God. We can become right with God. The power and the poison of sin done away with once and for all. And I believe when you put your faith in Jesus, the penalty of sin is gone. You can come before God just, just because of his grace, just set, just clean in his presence and be welcomed into his presence. But day by day as we spend time with Jesus, there's an ongoing transformation that happens where we overcome the poison of sin that keeps creeping back into our lives. Our hearts need to re be renewed day by day. I believe that's what God wants to do here in this room this morning. He just wants to renew our hearts. God wants to renew our hearts. Where our hearts have, you know, felt the effects of poisonous sin. Where, where our lives have been broken by our own selfishness or the selfishness of others. You know, where we've just gotten weary with all that happens in, in, in the drudgery sometimes of life and, and the things that come against us. We, we have a God who promises us, I'll renew you day by day. I've got a new beginning for every single one of you and I'll actually renew your heart day by day. Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes this morning? I just want to give you an opportunity if you're here this morning and you'd say you need a new beginning with God. Maybe you've pushed God away for a long time or you've, you've walked away from God. You seems to be a long way or maybe you've never really thought about God before or you haven't thought about God in a long time. If you're here today and you just say, I need to be born again. I need Jesus to come and forgive my sin that's poisoning my soul. I want to be made right with God. I'd love to lead you in a prayer this morning. I'd love you just to let me know and as an act of faith, let God know that you're praying that prayer. Just stick your hand up if that's you this morning. If this morning you just say, I want to be born again. I want a new start with God, a new beginning with God. Bless you. That's cool. Bless you out the back. That's cool. Who else here this morning? Just say, that's me. I want a new beginning today. Yeah, that's cool. Anybody else today just say, today's my day to be born again into God. Okay, if that's you this morning, just pray along with me, just in the quietness of your own heart. Father God, I thank you for your love for me. I'm sorry for the way that I've sinned against you. And I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on a cross for me. I ask today that you would forgive my sin. Give me a new beginning. 
that I may walk in a right way with God from now on. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we just put our hands together for those guys this morning? Let's, let's stand together. Uh, if that was you this morning, we'd love just to connect with you, give you a Bible and just help you get started. But let's stand together. We're going to sing in just a moment. But before we sing, I just want us to gather around a bunch of people down the front who just say, God, I want you to renew my heart. Maybe your story is a little bit like Leanne's story was this morning. I just, I just want a new confidence to share my faith in Jesus with others. That's what happened for Nicodemus. He just came out of the dark and said, I believe that Jesus is the King. There's just a new confidence, a new faith to, to, to share who Jesus is with others. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe this morning you're here and you're, you're weary. Life has become a bit of a grind, like you heard Ash talk about. You just say, God, I just need you to come and renew me from the inside out. Just before we start to sing this morning, I just want to pray for a whole bunch of people who just say, God, renew my heart. On this first birthday, as we're celebrating all that God's doing, and as we begin to look to the future of all the new things God's going to do, God, I want to be part of it. God, would you renew my heart? Come on, I'm just going to invite you to come down the front right now. If that's, that's your prayer this morning, God, renew my heart. Come on, just come down now. I'm going to get some people to gather around you. They're going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. Come on, just keep coming. I know there's some more of you. Just need to come and just allow God to do. Uh, don't wait. Normally we wait for us to sing. We're not going to do that this morning. I want you to come now before uh, we all start singing loudly together, declaring by faith together. Just come and say, God, renew my heart. Just kind of spread out across the front a little bit. God's going to do something good here. God's going to, I'm going to get the prayer team and actually I'm going to get anyone who loves Jesus to come and stand with these guys. Come on, just come down now, gather around. Just put your hands out and just, just as a way of saying, God, would you renew my heart? Come on, just come and, come and just gather around these guys. Just begin to pray over them. If you're not out the front, you're going to have to pray from a distance. So you might be better to come out the front. But uh, I'm going to ask all of us right now, just before we start to sing, just pray. Just begin to pray that God would renew, renew their heart. I believe what God is going to do here is put a, a, a new extravagance in worship for Him. Just extravagant worship in some hearts here this morning. And that there's going to be a new confidence to share your story, your faith in Jesus with others. Come on, just begin to pray that over people. Wherever you are in our congregation this morning, just pray it over people. Just eyeball someone this morning and just begin, just reach out a hand and begin to pray. Pray for someone this morning. Pray a blessing over Come on, church, just pray. Just pray. Come on, lift your voices and pray this morning. Come on, lift your voices and pray. Just begin to speak blessing over these guys. A renewal in heart and mind. Come on, just speak it over them. God, fill them with joy. Fill them with joy. God, a hunger for worship. A hunger for your presence. A confidence to share their faith in you. God, I pray, I pray this morning that you would be renewing hearts. God, right now, both young and old, God, would you renew our hearts?
God, thank you for your presence here. And I pray that you just as we pray, you'd be breathing life into people. God, just breathe new life and new hope. God, I really do believe that there's just going to be an extravagance in worship that's going to come out of hearts, both privately and publicly. There's just going to be this new overflow of just declaring the goodness of who you are. God, would you put it in their hearts this morning, just a hunger for your presence. And God, I pray for a new confidence in evangelism, a confidence in testifying to who you are in your workplace and be coming out of the darkness and into the light, declaring that Jesus Christ is the King of all kings. He is the risen one, that he has life and he has hope. He has new purpose. He has new power today. Come on, just put your hands together. Say thank you, Jesus, that you're alive today. Breathe life, God. Breathe life into people's hearts. We hope you've been blessed by this message from Gateway Baptist Church. We're a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.